Hey there ladies and gents, Gav Jones here. On this episode I was joined by minimalist coach, podcaster and entrepreneur Elle Dean. Elle shares her journey through minimalism and the doors it's opened in life and business. Ladies and gents, this is the Big House Podcast. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, you can hear you can hear me clearly enough, and yeah, perfect. And yeah. you, me? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely cool. perfect. Right. Good day. Oh, it's a day with children today. Oh, yeah. is it day four hundred thousand? And one. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's um. They entertain themselves, which is okay, but it's when they when they need something, when you're in the middle of something, that's that's the thing. How are you? How's your day been? Yeah, it's good. Quite um, quite relaxed. Uh, I realised over the last kind of what are we eleven months now that there's not a real rush for anything at the moment. So just kind of settling into a slower pace still, which is nice. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's, it's been a very sort of a strange time. Uh, that you kind of realize a lot about yourself don't you in these sort of moments but definitely absolutely yeah, yeah for sure so first of all welcome uh Eldine to the big house podcast i uh obviously want people who are listening to obviously understand a little bit about who you are as well so if you could just maybe give you a little brief introduction to who you are and what you do that would be fantastic Cool. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet you um, online. Um, (laughs) Fist pump. Um, Well, yeah. Hi, I'm Elle. Thank you for that introduction. Um, I'm a a minimalist coach and speaker. I'm the founder of the Good Stuff Radio podcast, and I work prominently on a a hyper local level in Bournemouth and the surrounding areas by connecting those um, within the local creative community which I'm a part of with my business, Elle's Vintage Workwear. Right, okay. So uh, if we start off talking about minimalism in its in its purest form, now I, it was, when I started this podcast, it was always my desire at some point to get someone on to talk about minimalism, where I would love to be uh, what, what would be a minimalist, have a minimalist lifestyle, but it's very tricky when you've got, you know, a partner and children and, a lot of other things added onto that as well. But how did you come to be a minimalist? Is how, Where did you start? Where did it all begin? Well, to be perfectly honest, um, I've always hated stuff, um, right. clutter around me. I can't, can't really deal very well with a cluttered environment. Um, and I think it's because probably when I was growing up, I used to be quite kind of possessive and controlling. And maybe that's part in um due in part to having an older brother that was perhaps like in and out of my room <laughs> or messing with my stuff or like throwing my dollies about or whatever he used to do to taunt me um but I created that link quite early on that that stuff caused stress and cost us energy um not only my own, with my own stuff but seeing my parents work hard at, at their careers only to spend their weekends kind of doing DIY and cleaning and sorting and all of these other things that seem to just absorb their free time. And then for them to have a break from all these jobs, this endless to-do list, they'd go shopping. And that was like Mm. a pastime. So I I think I was quite young to to recognize that link 
or maybe look at it from a different angle that actually the stuff didn't uh, do what it was supposed to do. It didn't make anyone happy. It just kind of caused more stress. Yeah. Um, growing up then, like for many people um, now, and uh, certainly, as I say, as I was growing up, um, stuff became part of my ego. Um, wardrobe a bookcase in particular for me personally and it comes up with a lot of people that it's the surest way to like uh, show that you're something certainly through yes. clothing and yeah. you know if somebody came over you're on a date somebody comes back to your your place and you've got this really nice bookcase of all these amazing authors fiction philosophy all these things that you could pretend that, you, that you've read and understood or I, I did <laughs> but um, yeah it, it became really easy to accumulate and get sucked into that insecurity or that insecurity of um, not feeling that way honestly or feeling authentically uh, intelligent or assigned to a certain tribe okay. of people. So it's a, um, taking away like the, there's a false layer there almost and kind of removing yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, that, caused a bit of conflict because I had on these opposing views this is a really long answer isn't it god sorry no 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 it's um, good <laughs> information's good it's, it's fantastic I had these opposing views I'll try and keep this concise but I I knew that stuff didn't contribute goodness um beyond the bare, bare necessities and yet my insecurities were I wasn't kind of projecting myself in a certain way or I wasn't this that and the other there was a load of FOMO going in there so I had these kind of this conflict um but I really I suppose through coaching myself and simply being asked oh what do you want which is something that as adults do we do we actually get asked and do we ever actually answer honestly you know when your boss is like oh do you want do you want this promotion or okay yeah on paper it's good but do I really want it we don't Mm tend to answer that truthfully um it was through that that really I got clear on you know who I was who I wanted to be and made that happen and and very easily all of those that ego stuff fell away um and that paved the way for getting rid of that excess material possessions digital clutter mental clutter and um has really paved the way for a minimalist lifestyle brilliant and the the thing is you find because Obviously, it's got a it's got a label now, minimalism, and obviously it wasn't always there. How did you feel when you kind of found out? Oh, you know, I'm not alone in this world. There's a lot of other people out there that feel exactly the same way, and they're getting benefits in the same way that I feel by not having all these things essentially that are kind of bearing down on me. Yeah, really good. It's really powerful to find. I think when you're running around a little bit and you're like I don't know how I feel I don't know if anybody else feels the same way to find a label like that mm. opens uh, doors of opportunity for you to learn more about it find your tribe as you've said you know find those other people feel understood um, but minimalism there's some kind of misconceptions around what minimal minimalism is mm. um, a lot lots of people confuse it with the aesthetic and here of course we're talking about the lifestyle and um, people think it's quite prescriptive, like you must own X amount of items or you yes. must look a certain way. It's it's often criticised as the um, the uh, bachelor's label, but doesn't fit any other lifestyle. But it's really it's what you make it. And I suppose my my definition, as I'm sure lots of other people would agree, would be 
uh, a minimalist is somebody who's um, delved deeper, questioned the expected and the accepted and realized kind of what's important to them and ditched everything else. So that could be somebody who lives in a white box with only an iPhone, but it could be somebody who has um, or, or, um, or has a joy for like vintage trombones and they've got three million of them. You know, it's it's not that prescriptive. Um, it's so a lovely, first, lovely example. I've now got this image of someone with so many trombones and nothing else. <laughs> can you imagine? It'd be great. Um, I, I think the... It was great in, in answer to your question. It was great to find other people that understood how I felt, but quite quickly you find your own way and you realize your story is unique. So whilst there are similar values and similar interests, it's really up to the individual um, to you know, make the most of these circumstances and, and continue their own learning. Um, so pros and cons, the, the label worked for a while, um, mm. but I felt I outgrew what I was finding on the internet about minimalism. You develop it personally, isn't it? Obviously, it's it's how it suits you uh, as, as a lifestyle, um, because it's kind of, I imagine it brings different benefits to so many different people at different levels. I mean, some people, like you say, it could be the aesthetics that they just think, you know, I, I do have too much of these things around, or it could, yeah, like you say, it could delve deeper. What specific benefits do you feel it's brought you in life in general? Well, having gone around in circles for ages on this kind of pendulum swing of acquiring stuff to make me feel better and look a certain way versus, um, you know, really these deeper beliefs about a, a simpler life with less. Having gone through that kind of coaching experience myself, ultimately it's clarity that I've gained through this, through having the space and time and energy to explore what I want, really, and unapologetically go after what I want. And I've tried loads of different things in, in business, in my personal life, hobbies, all these other things that I suppose when we busy ourselves with um, possessions or kind of meaningless or unfulfilling tasks, we don't have the time to explore. Mm. So, yeah, energy, time, space, clarity. Um, I can reel off a whole load of things, improved relationships, improved health, um, flexibility and freedom beyond what I ever could have imagined which sounds really cliche but it's yeah. the opportunity and the flexibility to be able to kind of move house if I want to really easily to go traveling it's small things like packing lightly to go on holiday mm. means I now I haven't taken um I haven't taken uh, checked in baggage for a few years now you save yourself four hours that's four hours of yeah. my life <laughs> nice. things like that it is great no and like i can see i personally like i don't i don't although i live in a, a house i have uh four uh, i have three girls and my other half so i'm fairly outnumbered but it's um there's a, there is a lot a lot going on here and it's a lot of the sort of uh, you have to keep an eye on and pick up after and do things like that. personally i own very I have very little in life because again I feel it's a distraction and I just kind of feel like it's an it's an I, f I just find it easier I don't know if there's any other simpler way of, of putting it than that it's just a, I find it very much an easier way of living but 
on the flip side of that, the benefits, what challenges do you think there might be? Do you find that if, if there are any at all to being in that sort of lifestyle? Yeah, I think um, advertising presents a big challenge. Advertising's goal is to sell us stuff full stop mm. on the most part that we don't need. Um, my challenge was changing that habit and that learnt behaviour of like the quick win of buying something. You know, if I felt I was missing out on something growing up or I wanted to appear that I did X, Y and Z, like I appeared that I surfed more or I was a musician or whatever, it was my retail therapy personally to go and buy a bigger brand guitar or buy um, surf brands to look the part. And I think learning that at such a young age or through quite, you know, formative years, your teenage years, I found that quite a hard habit to break. And the more people I speak to, the more can relate to that and relate to the power of advertising still. The power of, you know, every other or every third post on Instagram is, a, is an advert and they're clever. They, you know, the adverts are targeted. It is going to show me what I'm interested in. So the challenge is for me is wasting time getting sucked into that reel of looking yeah. um i i've over time have kind of stopped buying um stopped consuming in, in the way that i used to when i was younger um so personally that's that is a challenge that uh, that i'm aware of um i think other more broadly speaking at the maintenance so people are drawn to um, a, a clearer space, less stuff. So they have a weekend. They're like, I'm going to blitz the garage. I'm going to blitz the house. And they've yeah. cleared all this space and it's great. But maintaining it is the hard thing. Hmm. And it's like a diet, right? We we know because it's A, plain as day, and B, everybody talks about it. The, the diet industry is not great, hmm. right? We can lose loads of weight in two weeks. But if we don't change our mindset and our approach to these things, and our relationship with food, like our relationship to stuff, the weight uh, piles back on, the stuff accumulates again. So I think more broadly speaking, it's the getting clear on, you know, what, what void are we filling with stuff? Why are we so distracted? What are we deliberately distracting ourselves from? Mm -hmm. Or are we just kind of being a bit of a passenger and actually there's, there's more to life that uh, there for us? if we go out and, and take it and grab it and realize what we want. But with that comes an element of discomfort. If you're willing to go through the hardship, first and foremost, of getting rid of the stuff, then be prepared to deal with the space that you leave behind. And don't just, you know, ignore that, mm. um, stick a plaster on it and, and hope <laughs> the stuff comes back because uh, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah, it, I mean, a lot of what you were saying there, like the examples around... Um cleaning a, like a cupboard or the garage out or something like that how many times I've done that and I, I but it's not maintained because it looks exactly the same as it as it did before but just through it's, it's unable to keep a habit and I, it links quite nicely onto my my sort of next question around having that sort of if you're in say a relationship say and you're like I'm using myself as an example here I am very much of the mindset that I want to, you know, keep a, keep a very simple life, but then maybe my other half, she has, she has lots of things. She's very, she consumes a lot and consumes a lot. That sounds horrible when I say it like that, but um, 
I know what you mean. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I hope she's not listening to this one or outside the door. Um, but it, she has a lot of, th- you know, things and things that clutter up her life and things like that. And even to the point where I can say, are you using that anymore? Do you need that? it's almost like yeah eventually I'll need that so it's, it's so it's the question I'm kind of asking here is it is the difficulty you know is asking you as a coach here but the difficulty of maybe in two people in a relationship one lives one way one lives the other there's a challenge around that and I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it as a question <laughs> but yeah so how how do you think that that would work or is there a way it can work yeah, always. There's a way it can work for sure. Um, I think it boils down to that deeper level of, of values and what's important to that person or, or that couple, those people and, and their, the compatibility of those values in a relationship. Like I said, somebody, one person who identifies as a minimalist might just own an iPhone and a toothbrush. And like I say, somebody else who's, yeah, they've ditched everything that doesn't bring them joy, but they also have a penchant for vintage radios or you know the guy with the trombones again you know you if the values are the same about uh you know only having things in in our lives that bring us joy that contribute that have a function those two people could stick together you know values wise that they sound like a perfect match if they exist um it i think personally i i would struggle because a a clear space is really important to me Mm. um I, it's a genuine worry about having children because I see my parents' house after his four-year-old, um, my brother, I think just in my parents, my brother's house with his four-year-old after like five minutes um, with her toy chest and I need to like go outside and take a few deep breaths. Um, so I, I, I'm speaking very hypothetically. It is about values, right? You know, relationships, any anywhere across the board uh, are about values and having a shared vision um the practicality of that is has got to be unique to to those two people but in terms of a, a cluttered space um and a rate of consumption i i personally would struggle with that um my values are around consuming less so mm. i suppose that's how it how it boils you know where it boils down for me um but it's yeah it, it's not all how we're told a minimalist should you know should look yes, in inverted course, commas yeah. right so um leo babauta i don't know if you've heard of leo um he's been interviewed quite a lot by the minimalists he was in the minimalists film maybe just the first one um he's got like six kids um family man and there's some uh, other guy i can't remember the another chap who's interviewed in the film who's also got a family so it's not just like these single young guys who work in tech who can afford to have just an iphone you know it's um real people living living those values so it is possible of course yeah yeah i mean yeah i used to talk about those films uh, you know that uh i forget the guys names that that's that who are the uh, minimalists josh and ryan josh and ryan yeah so i mean they obviously they've got a podcast of their own as well haven't they but they um yeah i i i I was. I think what's what really sparked my interest was after the the second film. I think was it uh, beginning of this year? It came out. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, that really sparked my interest in the whole minimalist way of life again. Um, off the back of their first one, obviously, of course, it's almost like it was a reminder for me. 
but going back to the thing about sort of children and having uh sort of those there's doors you can shut doors and just ignore it that's that's kind of that that's my it works for me until i have to go in that room but um there's almost i feel a little bit defeatist sometimes when you see some of these like okay it's just the way it is you know you can't not everyone's going to be be this in the same sort of uh mindset that that i am but there we go ah so if you were going to get if someone wanted to start um if, if they felt that they had the need or desire or feel it might benefit them in some way if anyone was listening now what piece of advice as a starting point maybe would you give any of those people um who wanted to give this a try two parts a what you know get clear on why you're doing it is it just that you want a, a clear space or actually have you got a desire to quit the day job and go backpacking around california whatever mm. get clear on the why and don't do it half assed i think getting rid of the stuff the material possessions is really hard and i've heard every i think every difficulty that somebody has come to me with i've heard them all you know the whole just in case thing the mm. this cost me loads of money thing that i won't be a writer if i get rid of all these books or i won't be um, a musician if I part with one of my 50 or 3 million trombones three million you know trombones, I've, so. I've heard yeah <laughs> 2 million nine yeah um, <laughs> I you know I've, I've heard them all and I get how hard it is mm. but that and and not to put people off that is the necessary first step and it is hard but beyond that like I said you've got this clear space and there are endless opportunities if you're willing to get a little bit uncomfortable about you know perhaps why why you place so much value on stuff or what your relationship is with yourself and uh the stuff and work and relationships all these other areas if you're willing to do that and break through that wall as it were you know the world's your oyster if that was a bit cliche you know you can literally create whatever it is you want and i, I don't say that as a willy-nilly thing or some <laughs> spiel or whatever you know, you, you literally have a blank canvas with no anchors weighing you down, no mental clutter, no physical clutter, nothing. It's just, you know, white space to to proceed how you want to. So don't do it half assed is my advice. Yeah. You kind of think if anyone listening to this, you know, imagine there's a lot of people out there that would want maybe some sort of blank canvas or some sort of fresh start um to kind of try and find themselves a little bit more and try and open maybe a few doors for themselves it's just it'd be i mean i i it, it it appeals to me massively it really does and i don't and i can't i'm not maybe at the same length that you um all your life have kind of felt like there was something you know you know you didn't like the clutter or things along those lines i don't think i was always like that you know, especially when we say around, um, like when you buy things, when, you know, like I felt, I feel like a lot of the times when I've bought things before in excess is when maybe I've been my most unhappy. And I feel like these things that you buy are going to fill that gap, but they, they really don't. And a lot of that stuff that maybe I think maybe I bought when I'm unhappy, I don't, I'd never touch after I've bought it and I never use it. And, um, and then that's why I think now, I mean, I've, to be fair, I've got a guitar under the bed here that I am adamant that I want to learn to play. I've had it two years. 
So it's it's like things like that. I, I have these beliefs that I want to, like you were saying, there's a view, vision that you have of yourself. Is it the right is it the right vision where you know where am I getting this inspiration from but like you say it's opened a lot of doors like for you um and obviously moving into some of the other things that you've been doing so good stuff radio obviously I want to talk about as well so how did good stuff radio come to be where did it where did the idea begin and how did it develop um I wanted to start a podcast for quite a while and I had quite a few false starts. Um, I started a podcast um, just under the coaching leg of what I was doing um, and I had other ideas. Um, I wanted to start it under the workwear leg of what I was doing. Nothing really felt right and somebody had asked, I'd, I'd done a podcast course, somebody had asked, uh, you know, can you see yourself doing this in five years? And all the time I was like, no way. <laughs> nope. Um, so I kind of put it on the back burner for a while. Um, but last year, this is a bit random, last February, just before lockdown, I went to see Sandy Togsvig, who was on tour talking about stories, pretty much. The, okay. It, it was called National Trevor, and the point of it was to highlight that everybody has a story that doesn't need to be validated by Instagram likes or follows or whether someone is deemed an influencer or, or all this other stuff. And mm -hmm. in this theatre in in pool in dorset which is not huge i don't know how many people were there maybe i don't know 1500 wild mm -hmm. guess there was um a commonwealth gold medalist there was somebody who could lick their elbow and there was somebody there who had been in the paper because their dad had discovered a um a sinkhole in their back garden like okay. random stuff all in this audience and there were probably thousands more there were just the three we heard from and it just highlighted everybody does have a story and I'm just so verging on desperate uh so keen probably a better word to <laughs> create a platform for these stories and insights and philosophies because there are so many interesting and interested people um why not have a chat to them which sounds very much like what you're doing if I can call myself interesting I don't know you'd be the yeah, judge of that well <laughs> inspiring that's that's kind of what I'm trying to with my podcast very similar sort of I want people I want to provide people with information um insights into something and maybe inspire them to do something themselves and it it could be from the smallest part of these podcasts you know it's very in a, in a sense it's very similar I may be just asking questions about the way they live but the story aspect itself is is a, is a is a brilliant one and weirdly uh i recorded a podcast last night um with a man called jeremy humphreys who was a cameraman for the b um well he was a director of photography is his title um and he was trained by the bbc he had some amazing stories to tell um and that and i and i loved it i absolutely loved it and but going back to your the stories that you hear i mean you're working in the obviously in your local community in bournemouth is that, I mean, obviously that's on purpose because you just, I guess you're trying to see what you can find within your local area. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, definitely. And and having started last summer, um, it's, it's kind of taken two legs in that I've definitely become more involved in that creative community. I found myself involved with it. You know, one day I was like, oh, I'm a now an authority on an element of this. And I, what? <laughs> Uh, so that's really cool. And they are amazing. And I'm sure in every town there is an amazing creative community. Um, 
But I also got on the phone and got emailing absolutely everybody I'd ever met who I wanted to talk to because this seemed like a good excuse. I wouldn't just ring up someone and necessarily I don't have the guts to ring someone up and say, oh, can I just have a chat for an hour? Tell me your life history. I was like, oh, let's do it for a podcast episode. And people are a lot more receptive to that, Mm. not blocking me for being a bit weird. Um, So, yeah, I've spoken to um, TV architect Piers Taylor, who you may have seen on World's Most Extraordinary Homes and the house that 100K built. He was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Singer-songwriter Gavin Thorpe, who founded a a mental fitness club called Talk Club. Okay. yeah, those two that spring to mind, Zylo Aria, who's an Australian producer, and recently spoke to Adam Devonshire, who's bassist for Idols. So there's a huge um, element of uh, local people and friends that um, I know have really interesting stories. But lockdown and the whole world being sat at home behind mm-hmm. their computer meant I had access to people that otherwise would be filming or would be on tour or be just wouldn't have the time right yeah to spend an hour on the phone um so yeah that's been cool it's a good mix and it's fun and for as long as I make it about other people I never want it to be about me um I think that's probably where previous iterations of the podcast weren't really working for me because it felt like I was putting a pressure on myself to to be something or someone um I like to just be kind of the the vessel or the facilitator yeah I mean that's the same I kind of with these podcasts I'm doing I I aim to do two a week if I don't I I don't I don't do two if I don't do one a week there's no pressure for me to continue this I you know I I I do this for the for the love of it really I you know I've I started it's very similar sort of time I started doing a uh, comedy interview podcasts uh beginning of last year um with uh someone another comedian who who lives local to me and you do, you pick up these podcasts and again, some work, some don't. And then eventually you just kind of find your feet. And I've just carried on like much as you have just doing this. And I mean, you can't really put an end date on these things, can you? You just kind of, you just think I'm doing it. And then when, if, if it, if it just falls off, it falls off and there's no pressure to continue it. I mean, is that how you feel? There's no, there's no end goal with this. It's just kind of, you're enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, definitely definitely um that that's been a lesson learned with the kind of the minimalist journey as well the um being quicker or yeah recognizing quicker when something is perhaps not fun and is it not fun because you don't want to do it anymore is it not fun because you're going through a challenging period or yeah I absolutely agree and that's the same kind of premise that I'm continuing as well so with with obviously obviously it's a very difficult time for a lot of people at the moment with um obviously with what's going on in the world with COVID and whatnot. I mean, how, how hard is it sometimes to, I mean, you're with the stories you're getting, you're not necessarily getting stories of now it's anything in there in people's lives that you're kind of talking about. Is, is that correct? Or, I mean, cause that's what I'm, what I'm saying is, is it's hard to maybe pull from pull positives out of a, uh, what can be seen by many as a negative situation. Um, yes and no. Um, probably half the content that I've been sharing has been kind of how people have got to today, stories included. But I think as well, catching people in lockdown 1.0, that was when everyone was in this like hazy, <laughs> uh, I love my family, I miss my family, you know, had that real realisation of what's important. Yeah. So actually true. I caught a lot of people in that massive gratitude phase mm. and um 
people who had perhaps had a dodgy couple of months of being with themselves and had then come out of that in June, July time with this new awareness, this new insight about how they live, what they wanted to do. So actually, um, there has been a lot to talk about mm. through lockdown. And I'm not denying it's been unfathomably difficult for a lot of people. But for a lot of people as well, it's allowed peace and serenity and being at home with themselves and learning about themselves. And um, that's been a, a huge gift. And it's been really interesting to hear people's experience of that time, for sure, and mm. continuing time. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, like you say, self-reflection has been maybe the, the one of the biggest gifts that this, well, maybe one of the only gifts for a lot of people that this this sort of situation has given people and obviously it's a lot more difficult this time around I feel I but I always say to people it's more likely just the weather's not as good Uh, yeah yeah I I agree yeah (laughs) 3.0 is a bit tedious but um spring's coming so that's a positive yeah yeah you have to take any positives that you can get at the moment um so where can I mean where can people find you uh, podcast wise? Are you on, are you on all platforms? Yep. Um, yeah. Easiest thing to do is search good stuff radio on uh, your favorite podcast platform. And I'll be there. There's um, maybe 20 episodes up at the moment. First 10 were um, yeah. With this kind of group of people that I just started ringing around and having a chat to uh, the second <laughs> 10 episodes are um, based more on local businesses yeah. In, in Bournemouth and, and actually further afield in the southwest. And that was in the run up to Christmas. That was lockdown 2.0. Um, all of these people otherwise would have relied on Christmas trade. So I was just keen to give them a platform to share more about their business, yeah. get the word out there um, in the hope of um, helping them cash in on a bit of Christmas retail trade. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you use it sort of when you're, I mean, I, I obviously I contacted you for this podcast, but it's, it's a strange sensation isn't it when you're kind of reaching out to people you might not necessarily know and you know i i've i've had obviously great results in getting yourself on here but i've also had people that have kind of not been so keen and i you know and i i I would like to sort of everyone that i ask i like to would love to give them the opportunity have you ever been had people that have kind of shied away from it for whatever reason or not um yes uh but i'm not sure why yeah. Um, I think uh, people struggle to put a date in the diary. Yeah. I think maybe it's actually kind of a confidence thing, mm-hmm. or I'm just talking about self development and growth, and they're just not into that, which mm. I'm totally understanding of. Uh, some people aren't. Uh, maybe I talk too much. I, I'm an oversharer. Maybe. Um, <laughs> m- maybe that's uh, not everyone's jam. So I, I imagine that people are if they're not keen that's that's probably why yeah yeah I mean this it's the kind of way I don't try and take it personally because again no. with a lot of it they don't know you and it's yeah. they're just they've just got their own reasons but yeah I just wanted to you know for someone being in that position just to kind of see how how other people felt about it but no it's I just... think most people are pretty receptive I think and yeah. um if you give someone a platform to talk about themselves for an hour, I think they'll <laughs> more often than not bite your hand off. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's people just not maybe not getting on board with the the philosophy behind uh, my podcast. I think that's probably why. 
yeah. or they just don't like me. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Who knows? Yeah, they've heard about you and your passion yeah, for trum- like, trumb- trombones and all these trombones you've got hanging around. <laughs> yeah, it's me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can just see if you turn the camera around, it's just trombones everywhere. Yeah, no. um, that is my goal. <laughs> Uh, so moving on again, opening more doors, you obviously, you said you've had, um, you've tried different podcasts before and you've got maybe a, a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit to you anyway, would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you've, you've currently, um, your, I don't know, what, what would you call your position at Elle's Vintage Work where you the owner, you managing director <laughs> you, you. <laughs> yeah chief executive officer of yeah. Vintage, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so but i don't know i'm the everything the dog's body the mailman the packer the picker the photographer you know what it's like <laughs> yeah so it's l's vintage workwear yeah. why why specifically did you want to go in like what why workwear and why the why the sort of designs that you've chosen? Because obviously I've looked I've looked it up. Uh, you know the, the sort of stuff that you you uh, you're selling, packing, posting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what? Yeah, why why specifically workwear? What what was the appeal to that? Um, I love it. In short, um, right. I love the durability. And I, I suppose here to, for the listeners, I'm I'm defining workwear as kind of the the French worker jacket those kind of uh, canvasy chore coats, quite a basic square cut, four pockets, simple design. Um, I find them endlessly functional. It means I don't have to carry anything. So I've got loads of pockets. Uh, I can wear it every day. I've got like a smartish one and a scruffy one that I wear most of the time. Okay. It's just, it ticks so many boxes. I love the, the non-uniformity of a uniform product. I love you know, when I get my batches through kind of recognizing simple quirks or little differences between them. Um, and yeah, I, I just love them. And I'm finding a, a community of people that, that love them as well for the same sort of reasons mm. that they've lasted for ages already. Um, they're going to last a really long time still. And yeah, loads of reasons. I, uh, I've got a, a passion for Dickie's trousers. Um, just nice. because I, I I like the durability of them, and you know it's a very sort of the workwear aspect. That that again, when I saw that, <laughs> I was very very interested in sort of what was your appeal to work with, you know those sort of materials and that sort of design. But um, would you say there's a min- uh, a minimalist link in there to the the design and and why why you chose that? Totally. Um, well recognised. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't really given it too much thought, but um, I, I suppose it has occurred to me. Um, I I suppose in minimising the the mental energy I spent on things, um, choosing what to wear was a big thing for me. I just got sucked into kind of, I suppose mainly at college. It's like, what do you wear tomorrow? You know, yeah. um, can't wear what I wore yesterday. And after I realised I was just spending so much time on such an inane decision that I didn't really care about anyway, the appeal of having a uniform is way up there. It excites me, you know, more than I can express. I'm not mm. being sarcastic. I sound no, like no, being no. sarcastic. But um, my, my kind of slightly 
a slight obsession from just normal consumption I I then focused on like stuff that would last me forever so I went through the denim phase of you know salvage denim learn everything about denim uh the boots phase um what boots would last me forever what jacket would last me forever and what watch all these types of things um the the kind of I realized as an aside that that um energy I was spending was I was still spending it on shopping just a slower pace of shopping so I had okay. to address that but my point is that workwear ticks with the boxes it's not fast fashion it's not going into landfill after a year um it's repurposing something that's already been made you know the damage the environment's been done yeah. um the best thing we can do is wear what's already out there um it doesn't buy into this kind of uh, trends or the seasons 52 seasons a year the high street tells us yeah. exist all that kind of stuff um and i don't spend any time thinking about what i'm gonna wear because it's there i pick up one of two pairs of jeans t-shirt and thankfully that's what i can wear every day um so it takes a lot of boxes and yeah it does actually really fit into that minimalist vibe yeah. um it's so unassuming it's so like norm core i don't know if that's a word that people use anymore but it's just like a gray jumper and jeans and a worker jacket and it's so just normal yeah, yeah. i'm very much black dickies black t-shirt or i'm actually wearing color today for a change but usually it's a, a black sweatshirt so i've i very much a black vibe but i've white socks and like and just whatever shoes i've got at the time but it's i feel like that i the uniform aspect well, as soon as you said that i was like yeah, I kind of have this uniform. And even like when I do stand-up comedy, I I wear that. That is what I wear. And that's, I don't know if that's how, if, I, if I'm even memorable, but if, if people remember me at all, that that's kind of like, uh, I want to have a set way that I am. And I kind of, that's how it started, I think. I started by doing it on stage and then it kind of morphed into just my everyday life that there's a uniform there and again something else you said was the fact that like when you're at college you think oh no I can't wear the same thing again because you think that people actually care about like what you know like oh my god she was wearing that yesterday like do are people actually going around paying attention to what other people wear that much unless it's that good a product you know it's 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 uh it's bizarre but I mean, you say your market in reference to who you're marketing. I mean, you're not, how are you marketing this? Are you just, um, is there a specific dynamic that you're aiming this to? Or are you trying to, how do you cast that net when you're trying to sell, sell your products? Well, I think the, the product really appeals to um, creatives. And I use that as a real umbrella term. Um, yeah. I find people that are perhaps on uh living the creative lifestyle or perhaps an alternative lifestyle, i.e. perhaps not the corporate nine to five. Um, I find that the product reaches those guys. But I started this last February, a uh, month before the world went into lockdown. And I always wanted it to operate on a really local level. Um, probably, well, one of the reasons is this product is widely available. I'm not offering anything unique. I think I keep it at an accessible price and that differentiates my product from what you buy in London and Brighton, for example. Sure. They're hugely expensive, same product in, in those two cities, for, for example. Um, 
but yeah going into going into lockdown meant that I was pushed online quite quickly and um or felt it sensible to pursue that and that's really where I've been for the last year with the exception of um a, few, a couple of pop-ups before we went into lockdown I had a launch party last February and a uh, maybe one pop-up in March I think I sneaked a pop-up in June when we were just coming out of the restrictions and uh, I think that's more or less it but you know ideally sure. I'd love to kind of keep it hyper local I don't know if it's a bit backward and against everybody's advice but actually to come offline and just say you know what this product's going to be available at this market once a month and no other time I'd love to do that. It means I'm spending less time behind a screen and um, just serving my local community. Because mm. in reality, if people are in London, go and buy one from your London retailer or, or your, uh, I probably just slamming like half my market here. <laughs> Maybe edit, edit this bit out. Um, nah, you know what I mean? I, just, I know what you mean. Yeah. I just want to minimize my environmental footsteps. So if someone's going to come and buy it from me or I can deliver it to them, by bike in this area that's that's the goal do you actually do that do you actually deliver the products on bike yourself sometimes yeah i mean not too far but yeah <laughs> so <a bit laughs> really like, oh, hey aren't, aren't you the girl from the website it's like uh yeah that's that's me <laughs> oh, it's me again. I, I do it all uh yeah the only thing is people don't expect you to deliver it by hand so there was a time in the summer in lockdown where um somebody bought it in their on like their partner's card or in their partner's name as a gift and I go cycling around to their house can't find the house and then bump into the recipient um and then the person who ordered it came out like what the hell I was like oh sorry I didn't know so, <laughs> all right okay um, I've got some communications to improve on there but um yeah definitely if if it's local just say that again really local I will cycle <laughs> to you <laughs> yeah i'm in southampton so i doubt you come this far but too far, it, too, far no too far um <laughs> and that's i mean the you say the it's it's interesting you say the appeal of around sort of local businesses because especially what i've definitely seen local to my area as well um is a lot of people a lot more people are supporting local businesses during these times I've, I've noticed it more and there's a lot more people sharing saying you know this is local this is here go to you know rather than you could order something from anywhere in the world people actually go into the person around the corner and I've just seen that a lot more and I don't know if you've had that in Bournemouth at the same time yeah definitely and I think this has um, been a, a motivation for me with the podcast and just as a business owner as well that I've the work wears almost a bit of a, an excuse to meet people and a bit of a perhaps sometimes a shield to hide behind because I'd never considered myself a creative before. I still don't consider myself a creative <laughs> now, but the business puts me in that market and puts me in that community. And I, you know, I find, I still find it really upsetting that how, I think it was the cafes. That was the first thing, wasn't it? That Boris said, um, don't go out, but cafes, remain open or something like that that was mm. some of the first guidance he gave last March and I was thinking about all my friends who have cafes that were just like what the hell what am I supposed to do that um yeah. so I, honestly it was ridiculous wasn't it yeah, it's like it was don't ridiculous. go to the pubs but the pubs are open yeah um so I've I've or what has emerged really is um you know a burning desire to to promote these businesses and make sure that everybody knows about them so there's 
someone in Bournemouth says, I want a silver ring. I'm like, okay, bish, bash, bosh, here's five silversmiths or a, you know, a gift, ceramics gift, whatever, to, to make sure that I know what's going on and to share that. And, and that's not for my benefit. Um, the, the work was a, a bonus to me and I love doing it. Um, it's not my bread and butter. And for a lot of businesses, what they do is their bread and butter. So mm. I just want to make sure that everybody knows what's going on and is supporting. So yeah, and, and the community have um, maybe not thrived, although some people have really thrived. Um, that yeah, that, that support is definitely there and it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got this vision of what I would like to see happen that a lot of the big, big, big companies that are on the high street now say would most probably because the high street, I mean, they say the high street is dying. It's struggling big time, isn't it? But I think a, uh, what I would like to see happen is maybe a lot of these bigger names go more online and that local traders and small businesses fill the high street back up. So you're always, that's why, you know, I, I look at like Southampton and anywhere else, you know, I'd love to see, you know, even from a produce perspective, you know, I'd love to see like a your local baker, your local butcher back on the high street and things like that, let alone sort of people making their own clothing, you know, jewellery, whatever else you can think of. But that, I mean, that's a vision I'd like to see. And it, I think it has so much more of an appeal to it that they become they have a bit get a bit more of a I don't know, let's go a bit deep here but a bit more of a soul back to town centers if that makes sense that's what i would like to see anyway yeah yeah, um, yeah definitely and that there are corners of of places that are regenerating like that and mm. and the soul is coming back and it is kind of yeah it, it is appearing i mean there's a high street near me southbourne high street that is probably 80 percent independent businesses and it's amazing and you can go there and you can you go to the bakery and it's not just any old bakery it's the best cinnamon buns that you can buy you yeah. know they there's there's the cafe that i mentioned there's the the craftspeople of book independent bookshop it is yeah i'd love to see that as well definitely yeah. it's not mass production is it people are actually putting love into what they do because it is theirs rather than you've got people working for a, a, almost like a faceless boss that they've never ever going to meet or say you know or even speak to um you know it's just I mean it does sound sort of sort of anti-establishment maybe but it's it's uh, what you know it's what I think I think it's what we need after all this that's that's gone on this again like we talked about before this self-reflection you know something needs to change here along the lines I think so so oh with how do you do it all on your own are you doing it on your own or do you have a team or how do you No, I do I do it on my own and it's something that I'm working on because um one of the big messages from lockdown 1.5 for me is was that kind of loss of a community and loss of people around you and friends and not being able to hang out and and I think I work loads on my own which is fine but miss that decompression of friends um you know hanging out social time yeah um so actually this last batch I did have a bit of a brick wall moment where I was like I'm not going to do this on my own anymore no, right. okay. <laughs> so you, that was only last week All um right. 
so yeah you know people want to help and they're you know as much as there are loads of small businesses and I keep saying loads of creatives there are loads of photographers like I needn't do it on my own no. uh, I don't know why I'm such a martyr um, <laughs> so yeah there's loads of photographers to help there's there's a huge student community here that might do that kind of admin work for to help them with their you know student debts and loans and all that stuff I don't know just to put um, some experience on the CV a lot of the time you know say students will just say you know if they want to progress themselves further along the line they'll just be happy to get something you know in the field that they want to work in so yeah yeah for sure yeah. so yeah only last week was I like you know I can't actually do this um it is it's a different challenge so it's it's more than full-time work to do all of these things but um it's there isn't an alternative like I actually cannot do the nine to five I'm no. not like looking looking down my nose at it it works for a hell of a lot of people yeah of course um I I can't do it um yeah I just can't just energy zapping immediately yeah um, yeah I had another guest who kind of he does a nine to five but he also has his is five to nine, he calls it as well, where he just kind of does all the other things that he wants to do in, in his own time. But it's kind of like, it's how you, I'm sure he'd be the same. He'd love to be in a position where he kind of picks and chooses, you know, where the time best works for him. And I guess it's just, uh, and it'd be, oh, I'd love to do that myself. But <laughs> I see, I see a lot of people like famous people who do podcasts. I know they mostly just do like a couple of podcasts a week get all the sponsorship paid for by them and whatnot and then they'll uh they, they put their feet up the rest of the week i'm not i'm not thinking i'm going to get to that point but i love just doing this as a hobby anyway so um where can it would be nice it, well, it would be lovely <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah uh so where where can people find uh find you if they wanted to have a look at, at what you've got essentially um best place for me is on instagram um instagram my account is the home of good stuff radio the lives and upcoming episodes and you'll find links there to the workwear as well so my instagram account is at l.dean that's at el.dean -E. um yeah like I say you can watch lives there more about the podcast more about the um you know furthering the minimalist journey and i'm going to be hopping on on some lives with another uh, minimalist speaker soon maybe the end of this month on a on a regular basis um and yeah the, the work where you'll find a link there but otherwise if you're just interested in the work where it's at l's e-l-s dot vintage dot workwear yeah of course brilliant okay I'll... right appreciate your time today i really do uh, and i've loved talking to you it's sounds fascinating what you do uh you know and the fact that you just in you know with minimalism and the fact that you've used it itself to open doors into obviously the podcast and you know your own sort of fashion should we call it a fashion label that sounds a I'm bit extreme, so unfashionable it? yeah <laughs> so, oh no not fashion I don't know what you'd call it practical workwear workwear yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay but no I appreciate your time thank you very much for coming on today Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to meet you. Okay, cheers. Looking for that bit of information, that insight or inspiration to spur you on right now? Then look no further, my friends. 
I'm Gav Jones, and I want to add the Big House podcast to your life, for no extra cost, of course, apart from your much-valued time. I spend my time interviewing guests from a variety of backgrounds, entertainment, health and fitness, food and drink, plus so much more. The Big House podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The Big House podcast. So much inspiration under one roof.